And welcome back. I'm Mike with the Turntable Teachers, and class is back in session here for another guest speaker episode at Nowhere Studios. And I'm joined by three incredible guests. I will start, uh, I'll go just right to left. And <laughs> I already get the introduction going. I'll introduce you guys, but you guys can talk a little about yourselves as well. I mean, I, I've already done a little bit of research on you guys. We'll start here. This is Todd Don. He is a music executive, been in this for 25 years, originally from Buffalo. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. came through from Chicago. Chicago, and, and, all the way out here. And now based in Boston. Worked with many artists, like the guest right next to you as well, and Steel Gold. <laughs> I know you've uh, produced like over 30 records and helped executive produce over 30 records and helped um like artists like still gold with uh, their touring and you know you just have an illustrious illustrious uh career and resume so we are so happy to have you here thank you thank you and then of course the lovely hey. the one and only <laughs> brandy blaze um obviously a hip-hop artist from boston uh, if you are familiar with any boston music you obviously know about brandy blaze i would hope at this point she's a staple um obviously uh, and then um you're a songwriter a poet uh, you also um, run um, workshops and classes for songwriting as well. Is that correct? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. You do a lot of amazing work in, in the city. We're happy to have you. And last but not least, Tayshawn Taylor. Hello. Who is doing? an incredible producer, artist, musician out of Boston as well. A name that I have been on for quite a while. And um, I know you're working on your studio, uh, first studio album. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I've been working on it for a minute, like through the pandemic and everything. And yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Well, I'm so stoked to have you guys. And of course, these are three of the uh, lovely people that were working on the Come to Pass musical. So that is why you guys are here to talk about that today. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Hey, how are you guys doing? You ready to go? I'm ready? Excited. Oh, Thank you so much for having us. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't wait. I can't wait. This is a lot of fun. Uh, it was funny because we usually with guest speaker episodes, it's usually been one on one. And then the last episode we had was two. So now we're three. So who knows? I mean, we're, we're down to have like six or seven. Van Buren, I'm talking to you. No more yes, kidding. Uh. <laughs> uh, shout so out Van Buren. Oh, shot. Yeah, yeah, shot. Out of Van Buren, of course. Um, so yeah, I want to talk to you guys obviously about musical, and I thought it was just such a unique thing that was done in the city because I feel like it's just not something that was done a lot or has been done a lot. And I thought just of course the um the concept was really, really just special in a lot of ways. So we'll start uh this episode, of course. Uh, we start with the objective, so we get to know we, we got to know a little bit about you guys, but now we're going to get to know a little bit about the show and sort of the um, the really the openings of it and how it started. So Todd, I know this was originally an idea you had, um, but then you brought Tayshawn and Brandy on, so I'll kind of kick it to you first. Um, talk to me a little bit about talk to me a little bit about um, how this concept sort of came to be um, and how Brandy and uh, Tayshawn, of course, helped to uh, make it a reality. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of a, a long story, but I'll try to, to speed it up as much as possible. Uh, several, several years ago, I saw, uh, I don't even think it was a TikTok, because TikTok wasn't around then, a Vine, a Reel, something or other. Uh, this dude talking uh, gang slang in old English accent, and I thought it was hysterical. And he was just going off and off and off, and it just sounded really funny to me. And I was like, somebody should do something with this concept. So all of a sudden, I'm sitting around one day, and I came up with the idea of, uh, 
telling a comedy story about the Revolutionary War through the lens of Bloods and Crips with because it was blue and red, right? Mm -hmm. Like we there was the red coats and there was us. And that turned out to be way too the, the production value is just way too high. Like the cost was just crazy to try to do this right. as a web series or anything. So I was actually at the New Year's Eve show with Still Gold talking to Mo about the idea. And I was like, I'm thinking about doing this like as a play or a musical. Uh, and he said, no, you will never do that. And I was like, all right, well, now I have to. Right. So, <laughs> that's a challenge, right. Mo. Like, that's a challenge. Now you told me no. Like I kind of have to now, right? So well, it's funny that he ended up being a part of it too. He said no to you initially, and then he. Well, then yeah, he and he was like, you know, if you do this, I'll be a part of it, right? And I was like, Fair. okay, I'm gonna remember this. So <laughs> I spent about a year just kind of kicking the idea around, and I came up with the framework of kind of how I thought it would be interesting to talk about these 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 issues, and that's when I was working with Brandy on her record, last record release before the pandemic and kind of working on getting her brand up and running a little larger through the area. And it immediately was like, yo, this is perfect. Like, she's the perfect person to play this lead role. Like, she embodies all the things that we're going to talk about through the play. And yeah. she has experience in, like, talking to these things and other people. And I found Tashawn through a random Facebook video, actually, of this freestyle that he did. And I was like, holy shit. Like... <laughs> Who is this, right? Just charismatic immediately. And Brandy happened to know him. So I was like, all right, this is just, you know what I mean? Like, this kind of really, really works. And we all met, and it just kind of clicked right away. They all just kind of got what I was trying to do and really were able to, like, understand, like, the ability of telling story through song. Because we didn't really adjust it as a musical. We just made an album kind of to tell this story, right? Because that's what we're used to doing. And then just presented it in a fashion that was just a little different in the right. way that we rap. Right. Absolutely. That's well, that's really, really interesting. And yeah, no, I think when, you know, the energy happens right off the bat, you can feel that. I always, that's always my motto is like, if the energy feels right, go with it. Um, and it sounds like it was quite the success. Um, and I want to obviously turn to Brandy and Tayshawn now. Um, when Todd came to you guys with this idea, um, what were your initial thoughts? Uh, did you think he was crazy? Uh, like Mo did? Or were you like, spot on? Like, let's, let's hit the ground running and do this thing. I absolutely thought he was crazy. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking we're about? The, we're, like, <laughs> we're not in New York City. We can't do a play. This isn't happening. Um, I was just like a musical. I've talked about this before. I actually don't like musicals at all. Okay. So we're now up to, I like three musicals. <laughs> <laughs> including this one <laughs> yeah actually none of us do i'm not a fan of musicals none of like us. none of us really were this is just the way to like Sorry. challenge ourselves to do I, something different i will say i am so i am by day i am by trade i am an english teacher and even myself not the biggest fan of musicals <laughs> right and, and i love music this too. conversation that likes musicals goddamn <laughs> but so it's, it's, like, it's also like why are they breaking out into song like what is happening like oh it, it makes sense sometimes you feel me like in some in some musicals it makes sense but in others where it's like yeah they're actually having like dialogue about real shit and then they start singing and then it's like well and some right, of the storylines in musicals are just wild yeah like, exactly right so <laughs> it still make no sense i was just kind of like i didn't see it for myself that's definitely never anything that i thought that i would do um i've been trained as an actor but that was a really long time ago i've never done yeah. a musical at all so I was just kind of like, oh, if you see it, I always just had a lot of trust in Todd. So if Todd says, you know, I think you can do this, I'll just be like, okay, well, let's just do it then. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Like, because I just trust him with, you know, yeah. he's been really instrumental in helping 
with a lot of my career, you know, in the background and helping me do things that I never thought that I could do. So I was absolutely like, okay, well, this sounds crazy, but sure, why not? And, (laughs) and like I said, it just really just started to flow together. And once we started, you know, working with Tay and working with everyone else, it, and we started, you know, hearing the beats and starting to write, it's just started to like form. And I was just like, okay, I really think that this could be a thing. Like, I really think this is going to be like a big thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Anything to add to that, Tisha? I, uh, I initially, like, as soon as Todd hit me with this idea, I was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> like, I wasn't, like, the thing is, is, like, I've always been, like, super down to just, like, try anything musically. You know what I mean? Like, if it's, like, the weirder is the the weirder it is, the better for me. If it's like, hey, like, I see you doing this thing that's, like, so insanely outlandish. And I'm just like, all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, when I first, like, thought of this, I was like, okay, um... I was like, okay, like when I first thought of this, I was like, oh, so are we uh, gonna be doing like a like actual like rap musical? Like, has this been done before? And I was like, okay, uh, it was Hamilton, and I was like, oh, so we're basically gonna be doing like Hamilton style stuff right now. And then Todd was like, yep, that's pretty much what we're gonna be doing. And I was like, fuck it, let's go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I thought it was pretty cool. And I guess like as we were working on it, like I this was a bag I never actually like trained in i never actually done acting before at all and the only thing that i was really like moving myself through was through the music so if anything like that really kind of gave me some like familiar ground to walk on but i guess the way that i wrote music anyway was just kind of like um was kind of theatrical you Mm -hmm. know because like i always like try to write as unorthodox as i can or at least in a way that kind of feels personal so if anything it worked really well with the way that this was going but yeah, when Todd reached out to me, I was like, yeah, this is this is going to be pretty cool. And then I saw that Brandy was also going to be part of it. And I was like, oh, shit, really? Like, this is going to be lit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Brandy's on this? We, it's gonna, I was like, it's going to be, gonna be fire. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh, shit. Like, we're actually going to get, like, mad folks on here. And I'm just like, okay, like, I'm here for it. And uh, from there, like, I was just kind of like, yeah, this is this this sounds pretty cool. Like, I'll give it a shot. Let's see where this yeah. goes. And it, the rest is current events at this point. Totally, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And it, when I had Amanda Shea on, which I know you all know very well, of course. Yeah, that's yeah. my best friend. I know that's, yeah. your, I know that's your girl, Brandy. I know. Shout out Amanda Shea. I love Amanda, man. She is just like, oh, what a, what a ray of sunshine that woman is. Mm-hmm. Um, but when she came on recently uh, for her last episode and we talked a little bit about it, she was mentioning to me how um, you guys hadn't really rehearsed this very much up until maybe like the day before as a full cast. So, and then obviously um, the set was very minimalistic. It was very focused, you know, obviously on the music and the acting. So was, I'm just curious, like were all these things intentional or was this kind of just sort of something that materialized as you went along? Well, we started working on it in COVID. So we kind of had to work on it in like small groups, right? Either remotely or like small groups together. Sure. Um, But I feel like it really kind of helped the process because, we were more intent on making sure that these moments made sense than worrying about some really overarching story, right? Like we were we were aware of the story, but we were more concerned that these moments actually were impactful and yeah. we were able to talk about things we were able to talk about. And then as we got them written, we did a little bit of editing here and there to kind of go back and make it make sense to the story. Yeah. But it really gave us the ability to kind of make these songs hit, right? Mm-hmm. And then 
And I just sat in my head for a while where I was like, yeah, hopefully this will all work. And we rehearsed the play one day at the Record Co. where we did think, like think, most of it. Like I think we had like two it. days at the Record Co. We had three and days. And then the, the oh, other three. day yeah, was three, like, yeah. but it, uh, the first couple of days were just the spot performances. I don't yeah, feel like we did the whole thing. We didn't, yeah. And then even then there were people that were missing so we couldn't do the whole whole thing yeah and then the day before our first day was the only time we like got into the space we could talk about movement we could talk about lighting like all that kind of stuff also shout out to tbt because we're all here in massachusetts and tbt is in new york yeah so that was also kind of like part of our cast doesn't even live here so (laughs) yeah and that was one of the things we couldn't rehearse was tbt's parts because they weren't here for that yeah she came on the on the day of the very first like stage rehearsal and she killed it (laughs) straight up (laughs) just knocked it out of the park yeah that's amazing yeah just for that for this like sounds just it was very organic but at the same time, like obviously very intentional on your end, but the fact that it just kind of all progressed, that it was just an organic feeling. I, again, when it, when I saw it and, um, so it's really unfortunate. I was away on a bachelor party that weekend and I was not able to even see the play. So the oh. fact that I missed it, I feel friggin' horrible about, and I kept, I was badgering Amanda. I was like, is there going to be another, like, is there going to be another showing or whatever? So that's another question for people that missed it. Is there ever, are you guys going to have another showing of this or is there like, like myself? Um, and is there a sort of album to come out with it? Or like, how is what's that process going to be like for you guys going forward now that, you know, you've did what four nights in a row. Right. And, and, um, pretty much sold out each night if i'm not mistaken or for the 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 first night right five percent or better like each night yeah yeah dope we were appreciative of everybody coming out awesome um we're gonna do a couple of spot performances next year where we do one night here and there cool um we're working on expanding the play right now so the play ran for about 47 minutes and we're gonna go to about two hours and 15 no way so we're adding about another 25 26 songs um, we're expanding a lot of the scenes that we started with this version of the play so that we can mm-hmm. kind of talk about these things a little bit more in depth, do a lot more character development, do a lot more interesting things, totally. showcase a lot more different types of music and, and writing styles and give these guys a, and, and girls an, an opportunity to really like dig into these characters and really yeah. bring these issues and talk about the reality of the, the nuances and the complexities of these issues because one song totally. really doesn't do any of these issues right. the justice that they really need. Right. Oh, that's actually a perfect segue into my next question, which was the main lesson. This was really more towards uh, our two leads here, Tayshawn and Brandy Blaze, mm-hmm. who um, obviously you were cast as uh, Myra yes. Bailey and Solomon Bailey. Yep. And so what I would love for you guys to talk a little about with myself and the audience, the people that are listening to this is, you know, give us a little bit about the background, the story of Myra and Solomon. Who were these people? Is it a fictional story? Is it nonfiction? Um, is it a mix of both? I really want you guys to dive deep on uh, a little bit right now on the, the, the two main characters that uh, you guys both played. Well, we're not actually siblings, even though we both have dreads. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tay's dreads are real. The background is basically we're brother and sister. Our parents have passed away and we need to leave where we live to travel to Boston to go and stay with our families. So really it's more about like that journey to get there Mm -hmm. and the things that happen to us along the way. And it's also a lot about our relationship and the conflicts that we have as brother and sister. Um, I know Tay will talk more about his character, but Myra is very much, I feel a reflection of me. Mm. Um, 
probably the side of me that people don't get to see, especially if you know me as like Brandy Blaze. It's like a real big persona. Yes. <laughs> and Myra, I feel, is more me as Brandy. Um, she deals with a lot of insecurities. Um, but also, I feel like she's just very, has her own power, but it's just very subtle and quiet. But she's just like on a path to discover who she is as a woman, mm -hmm. um, especially a woman in that time. And also trying to deal with her relationship with her brother, um, who could be... <laughs> A lot. <laughs> and kind of dealing with how do I have my own voice when I have this relationship with this person that's yeah. very much louder and bigger? And how do I still stand up and be my own person when I have this relationship with this person that's like so overpowering sometimes? Yeah. Well, this sounds. This role sounded like it was perfect for you, right? Yeah, perfect. absolutely. <laughs> I mean, um, it was. It was. Uh, I guess like uh, the story, or at least uh, how I interpreted Solomon. Mm -hmm. Right. I knew that this character was going to be very layered. I knew that this character was going to have like a lot of layers going to it, where it was yeah. like it's not going to be as simple as like this is a good character, this is a bad character. I wanted to make this character. Uh, someone you can empathize with but also like you you want to root for them but it's mm. like you they also have to earn your uh your your support in a way yeah. you know what i mean so it's like i guess when i initially went into this as a uh, solomon i was like okay like there are a lot of things that solomon is going through that brandy or i'm sorry myra <laughs> that myra has also um dealt with as well that she has already like accepted and has already like uh expressed and has already like you know been like yeah this is reality this is what we're doing right now and my character has basically been shutting that reality out because that reality is just too painful for myself. And in a way, it's like, I wanted to write this character in a way where it was like, yeah, like my character is going to be very methodical, very like, you know, is going to try to be methodical, try to be empathetic, but he's also not going to be that because he's not necessarily facing the reality and the weight of the situation mm -hmm. at hand. So if anything, like the only thing that's on his mind is he wants to protect his sister, but does he know how to do that? No. You know what I mean? Right. And that's where the first hurdle comes in. And then every other hurdle comes from his lack of understanding and also his lack of, you know, having the balls to actually, you know, ask for what, you know, Myra would want in that scenario. And I feel like that uh, creates a very complex character where it's like, you know what they want to do. You know, like, what their goals are. However, they're not going about it in the best way because they don't know how to. If anything, they have already decided that like they can just shut themselves off from what's really happening to then just like try to fit a narrative that's already like going on right. and i guess like in the later renditions like it'll be a lot clearer as to why that is but yeah writing solomon has uh been like one has been an empathetic experience to say the least you know what i mean because you have to like make someone that is like doing something bad that is like doing something that is like not super ideal to like someone that they love and then you have to you have to like humanize that in a way in a way that makes sense to be like hey like this isn't a bad person but like 
they have to like really like understand that they are not like super they're not going to be able to control everything. They're not going to be able to like, you know, uh, show love and actually take care of people without the person that they're taking care of. They can't block them out of that process as well. They can't just be like, Hey, like I want to take care of you, but I'm never going to ask you what you want. I'm never going to ask you for this. I'm never going to ask you for that. And you have to like have a lot of, and like, I feel like you have to like really think about how that, is going to play out in a way that makes sense without vilifying the character. So, yeah. I like how you said that, like empathize with the character. And I think, cause when you're, the way you're, you're explaining it is I think this is super relatable, especially to today, where it's like, we, we have to do a little bit better of a job as a, as a society, like coming to a little bit better of an understanding about each other. And like, cause certain cert- people's circumstances, unfortunately, sometimes do create moments for them to make maybe decisions that we wouldn't do, or me, we wouldn't agree with. But then again, we we're not in that person's shoes or in that we don't live that person's life. Yeah. So it's hard to, you know, say that or as a certainty. Right. Yeah. So I think you're coming at it from a perspective of, you know, maybe that this person's a little bit misunderstood, but there's a there's an angle to understand them even if we don't agree with all the decisions that maybe they make exactly yeah because in real life like i would be the best brother to brandy point bank period you know what i'm saying i would never do but half the, the shit that's all this show, <laughs> but for the sake of this show i'm gonna be an asshole you know what i mean and that's the thing it's like you also and that's the thing it's like i want to be like hey like am i gonna be like a frustrating character Yes. But am I also going to do it in a way that it's going to make sense where it's like, I see what you're trying to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. a lot of the time, like, you know, villain characters, it's like they do something so heinous and like, right. you know what I mean? And then it's like they can't come back from it because like they've already like made a decision and they've already shut themselves off from accountability. Mm-hmm. But if anything, like Solomon is having a very uphill battle with him accepting responsibility and what that responsibility would look like and how that responsibility would play out. Mm-hmm. And also just like kind of slowly shattering the idea that he's always had in his head about like, you know, being the man now, you know, considering yeah. like what happens in the play. Totally. And so for context as well, just to build this for the audience as well as that, this was set in the 1700s, correct? Yes. So yeah, so so that definitely matters as well when we're talking about a story, especially you know two young black people who are trying to cross this sort of go from what, essentially what was it Worcester to, to area to Boston, like Berks, right? Pretty Berkshire's much. Berkshire's, yeah, 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 yeah. And so my next question was kind of on that wave. It's like why, obviously, in a, in a city that does unfortunately have a racist and prejudiced history, why did you guys think this was a really important story to share with? the city of Boston and, and to try to galvanize and get as many people to come see it and understand it. Well, I wanted to tell it in the context of, of where all these system systemic things come from, yeah. right? Like it's totally. really hard to talk about, Oh, this is what happens today without talking about where a lot of these practices come from. A lot of these beliefs were founded mm-hmm. because you can't, dismantle the system if you don't talk about how the system was built right so putting this in the context of pre-revolutionary america this is really when a lot of these ideals were brought into this country right Mm -hmm. and a lot of these white supremacist misogynistic total societal shifts kind of happened right and we're now in this society that has been built on these these pillars right Mm -hmm. so for me it was important not necessarily to set it in boston but to set it in a time frame that we could talk about those things and since we're here and this is like one of the earliest settlements, right? It mm-hmm. just made even more sense to leave it within this framework. Totally. Anything to uh, add from you too? Uh, Any, yeah, either absolutely. <laughs> um, I think 
it's just important just because, like you said, this, this is the history of Boston. I'm a third-generation Bostonian, so, you know, my mom went to school in the 70s, you know, yeah. Mecco student, so having oh, to wow. get bussed out to Concord, all of her siblings were in Mecco, so, you know, having the rocks thrown at the buses and yeah. all that, like, and that's my mom, so that's not that long ago. Not at all. And we've just always had this history um, of Boston just being known as being so racist. But I also think it's really important to tell this story because because Boston has that reputation. Sometimes we forget people that aren't from here forget that there are people of color here. There are black people here that have been here a long time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's sometimes really important to kind of reframe that and be like, yes, Boston has a reputation of being racist, but who are they being racist to? Like, because we're here. And I think it's really important for us to reclaim our own city yeah. and be like, our history here is important. Our stories here are important. The music that we make here is important. Absolutely. So just kind of doing that reframing, I think, is something that I really clung to and was like, this is important for people to know. Like, yes, yeah. like, I lived in Georgia for a while and... You know, people hear my accent, they would ask, are you from New York? I'd be like, no, I'm from Boston. And then the next question, there's black people in Boston? It's like... <laughs> really? <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> like, come on, bro. Like, are you serious? <laughs> That's why I think it's even more important to be like, no, this is our city too. Right. Our voices matter. And it shouldn't just be a story of Boston being racist. It should be a story of these people creating all these amazing things and making Boston into the city that it is. Yeah, yeah, humanizing that story in a lot more of a, a deep and layered way. I agree. I think that's that's really amazing. I feel like one of the most important things that I felt about this play is the fact that like this wasn't necessarily a play that was like fuck white people. You know what I mean? Yes. Instead, it was more or less like basically saying like how exactly can white supremacy exist with all these issues going on? Mm -hmm. Like period. Because again, this is pre-revolutionary war, right? But it's like. At the end of the day, it's like you still have misogyny, you still have capitalism, you oh, yeah. still have, uh, you know, uh, you know, Bible thumping, religious, racist people. You still have racism at the end of the day. Like there's a starting point for a lot of these things to exist because it opens people to a lot of weakness. And it also opens people to a lot of entitlement when uh, you're dealing or when you're somebody that is perpetuating like a narrative that has been told to you and indoctrinated into you like for so long. Like, for example, like I should have mentioned this earlier, like Solomon is a byproduct of misogyny. You know what I mean? Considering why he's like so why he was just like not seeing reality that like in a lot of instances is um, a byproduct of misogyny. And in a lot of instances, like, you know, even a uh, Dutch rebels uh, situation, like that's a byproduct of capitalism and a byproduct of material gain. And just like how people will do terrible things just to survive. And it's just like, when you have all these things and then you start really paying attention when it's like, Oh, now people are being enslaved. And now like most people are being genocided. Now this is happening. It's like, there was like people that thrived in that because of how you know what I mean like there there's people that thrive in that because of how like oppression can like exist in so many different ways right. and then 
when you find a way to like make that obsolete and you find a way to like actually learn how to thrive and exist without it, that's when um, we can actually start getting to the conversation because a lot of folks have not even imagined like how this can exist without it, whether it's like a good or a bad or a negative. It's just like people yeah. always think of it as like, a, oh, this is how it's this is how it's been. This is how it's always going to be. That's why history is important, right? For us to take a look at those those historical perspectives and, and lenses, because you know, in a lot of ways, you are really not like if you're not focused on what has happened. And like, so I'll put you this way: I I really think it's interesting that some people will come out and they'll say, "Oh, well, we've made a lot of progress. Like, it's enough." And but it's not enough to say that it's enough progress because it's not. Because in a lot of ways, yeah, a lot of people do not want to see how these things are still affecting us today and that yeah maybe it's not in the same ways but it's still affecting us today and it's still affecting our society today and until we come to terms with that you know we're not going to make the the real progress that we want to make and so that's that's where I, I you know i think that that's it's important it's important obviously to look at the past and and, and, and humanize obviously these stories because it's um that should be the goal, right? Yeah, yeah. Out of anything else. I think that's also another reason that it's really important that it's set in Massachusetts. Yeah. Because we also have the reputation, we have like the racist reputation, but we also have the reputation of being very, very liberal. Right. So it's kind of like a duality of like, Boston's really racist, but Boston is also super liberal. Mm -hmm. So it's not like Southern racism. Like, and I feel like it's so easy to be like, oh, all the racism is down South or somewhere else, but it's very Hold much up. here too. <laughs> I actually got a story. I actually got a story. So like after, after one of the nights, right? After one of the nights, uh, I actually ended up like having dinner with uh, a group of people. And I swear to God, I, I kid you not, like uh, one one of one of the uh, elders was like, "Oh, like you guys don't know anything about racism because you haven't been to the South." Like, no, my <laughs> black ass, <laughs> like, my black ass, like that's wild as shit. You know what I mean? But like, that's a wild thing to say. Yeah. It is. It is. <laughs> that's wild. And I can tell you, as someone that has lived in the South, this is still the only place I've been called the N word to my face. I've never happened down there. I've had there racist go. things happen down there. <laughs> yeah. But this is still the only place that's ever happened. Wow. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't so I'm like, like yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 still a real thing. And and in pretty much all parts of the country, unfortunately, which is sad. It's a sad thing that that's still there, you know. But at the same time, um, you know, I think that again, what you guys tried to do, or not even tried to, what you executed and you did, um, you know, but I think unfortunately the the, the problem is is I, I think that some people that wouldn't want to hear that story maybe wouldn't have gone unfortunately, which is like so. I guess my other question is like how can we maybe this is a larger question of us as a gen and more as a society, but you know how can we sort of get these stories in front of people that don't want to hear them? You know, like what's how do how do we achieve that? Like, I don't even have the answer to that either. I just well, you're you're not going to force the story in front of them, but right. you can get them involved in the conversation, which yeah. is more important, right? Like yeah. one of the things we wanted people to take from this is the ability to have conversations about these things, sure. right? Yeah. So maybe the next time somebody says something, you realize they really shouldn't be saying this, right? And you mm. correct them, right? And mm. so if people can take away from this a little better understanding as to why. It, 
people shouldn't be doing this, right? And we can then have conversations past that point as to somebody addressing that with family members or friends, right? That's kind of the ultimate goal from anything that you, any art like this that we talk about, these kind of things is we hope conversation starts, right? And through that, we can affect change because mm. you're right. We can't put this in front of all the racist people and be like, watch this. You won't be racist anymore, <laughs> exactly. right? Because it doesn't work that way, unfortunately, no, unfortunately right? Yeah. But we can get it in front of their kids. We can get it in front of their friends. We can get it in front of every, of people in their life, right? And at some point, that's going to perpetrate, that's going to infiltrate their life. Now, whether it affects them or it changes their children or it changes another generation, the change comes. We can see that by the numbers and the way things work, right? But you can't, you can't force it upon somebody. You can just kind of involve them in the conversation. I think it's also important that like, this is primarily told through rap. That is the biggest genre in the world. So just being able to tell it through that, I think is a way to reach even more people because people can be racist and they will still listen to rap. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, Tom McDonald like exists for a reason. Like, <laughs> so having that, and then also, you know, like we talked about before, like, racism is a big part of the story, but it's also misogyny. It's mm. also capitalism and sex trafficking and um, LGBTQ community. Like, all of those themes are in there as well. So maybe we won't get the racist that listens to rap music but rap music can also be very misogynistic and very homophobic Mm. and very capitalist so we're able to reach those people that maybe they have something they'll take something from that and really rethink things yeah it's also about like making like a lot of these things like obsolete and making it be like hey like you can exist without it you know what I mean? Because a lot of people are tricked into thinking that they have to exist within the confines of all those things. And this play is a complete and like this play is a complete like anti uh, thesis to just like folks believing like, oh, I could never do something like this or like I could never be like out here like, you know, saying this, that and the third. And it's like, no, you can you know what I mean? And trust and believe, like, I'm only just one dude, you know what I mean? But a lot of, like, if, like, if you have something that you got to say, you could say it. And you don't have to exist within the very confines that oppress you. You don't have to exist and be like, hey, like, my oppression gives me strength. Like, that, we, we don't have to live like that anymore. Mm. At the end of the day, people have been trying to, like, you know, push that upon us for, like, years and years and centuries and all that. And it's like, at some point, it's like we like folks got to start like thinking beyond like that and being like, hey, like, how can we get back to a place where this didn't exist so people can start thriving and people can exist and share the humanity? Yeah. You know, that na- changing that narrative, I think, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. shouldn't be about surviving the oppression, right? Because then it just allows the oppression to stay. Exactly. Right? It should be about living without it. Totally. No, I, I think this is a, like a really important conversation. Um, and I want to continue it. In just a second, I do want to uh, quickly do a little bit of a interesting uh, segment. It's time for the pop quiz, SK. Um, oh, give man. us all. Oh, so, um, what I'm going to do here is give you guys rapid fire questions, and I'm going to direct it towards one or two of you. Okay, mm-hmm. and you're just going to give me like the easiest answer you can, um, or like the most yeah most simple simple answer you can. All right, so. Uh, I'm going to start with Brandy. So I think this, what I saw this recently and I thought was hilarious and you post a lot of these and I just, I think they are so funny. I think you know what I'm about to ask you. Um, What is like the funniest or most cringy song you've ever been requested to be featured on? (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, in public. Oh, no. In public. Holy oh. Heart, oh. Oh. I mean, she did set herself up for it because there's a whole did. series of videos. I, I do. I have that series on IG. Oh, my God. You don't have to name the song or name the person, but you it's, can it's, you can just describe it. You can describe it. Okay, so they didn't ask me to feature on it. It's just the first thing I thought of. But they wanted to work with me, and this is one of the songs they sent me to be like, okay, this is my vibe. And it was about, I seen your mama in the club. Oh, my God. <laughs> and basically, Ooh. like, she was looking good. <laughs> oh, wow. And I was like, I seen your mama in the club. <laughs> oh, I was like, absolutely not. But <laughs> <laughs> like, I have nothing to add to this. I was like, it's not already, a shared experience. I, I was like, it's, it's already perfection, baby. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> it's already oh perfect. I love it. Yeah. So yeah, the pop quit. You guys, you guys are about to be put through the ringer. Speaking of ring, Tayshawn, Tayshawn, what's up? I know you love Elden Ring. You just normally, you just, I uh, you just beat it, right? Yep. Recently. Yep. So how many push-ups did you have to do throughout? Uh, the, <laughs> throughout <laughs> playing it, because I know every time you died, you'd you'd do it one push-up, correct? Three. Three. Oh, okay. Um, My source is incorrect on that. I did probably about okay. So it really sucks because if I did this earlier, if I did this earlier, I probably would have been at around three hundred. But I'm probably gonna have that because this I did this like halfway through the game, so I'm going to around to at least uh, 120, at least 120. Okay. okay. So you died often. Uh, is what yes. You're saying. <laughs> a often lot. Often and Game's frequently. Often and frequently. Toddy, you're gaming yourself a little bit. Do, do you uh, game? I play World of Warcraft. You play World, World, World of Warcraft, and you're you're an Xbox guy, right? Right, Tayshawn? No, I actually got a PC. You're your PC. Okay, PC so you're, you're a PC. Okay, just wanted, yeah. just want, just curious about that. Uh, this question's for you, Todd. Um, so, how many shoes do you have in your collection? And I'm curious what your favorite Air Max shoe is and your favorite Jordan shoe is. Um, gosh, 23, 24 pairs. Nothing crazy. Oh, okay. Um, right. and I don't, I don't really collect sneakers like that. I like to have a favorite pair. It's just, uh. It's just something that I enjoy, like, having multiple things of. Uh, the favorite Jordans I have are actually these right here, these French ones. Oh, those are tight. Are fire. Um, and then uh, I have a really comfy pair of Air Max that have uh, Sherling sheepskin on them um, that I'm really big fan of. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Brandy and Todd. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, this is your chance here. We're going to plug something here, and you're going to – you're going to sell me on why your lipstick brand is superior to all lipstick brands. Okay. Well, first off, it's mine. Maxwell <laughs> <laughs> says brandy on it. Next question. <laughs> right. right? Um, but it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yell at some of my sources because they gave me a little, some of the information a little off. But go. No, I'm just, I'm <laughs> it is a liquid matte. So once you put it on, it is not coming off until you wipe it off with um, makeup remover. So you can eat, you can drink. It's going to stay on all day and you're going to look gorgeous. Love it. On the same wave. What's up? Sell me on why Mike and Ike's are the best candy. Uh, Mike and Ike's are the best candy. Boo, because, tomato, tomato, oh, tomato. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I completely Mike agree. That's why I, I need to hear this. Mike and Ike's are the best candy because they are the only candy that is like remotely close to jelly beans that actually tastes way, way better. And also, you can like get boxes that are just like the strawberry ones, and no other candy does that. They listen to their fans. Okay? So basically, you like pill-shaped wax. Yes. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> What's so scary about moths, Brandy? Oh my! 
they're horrifying like <laughs> i think also this is something that also came from living down south where they were a lot bigger uh-huh. than they are here okay. much much bigger and i like i said i'm just convinced that they have teeth and they bite no one can convince me otherwise <laughs> i'm just they're just scary <laughs> Well, has anyone seen the zoomed in photo of the ant? Yo, yeah. the ant face was yeah. crazy. That shit's scary, bro. It looked like so a monster if, from a movie. That's what sure. it does. So I mean, like, it's not that wild. Like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all seen that episode of SpongeBob with like the butterfly, and then it was like on like the little like oh, the little yes. water bottle. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Oh man, this is great. I love this. Um Okay, my last question is is for Tayshawn. What's up? Um, do you have any advice to anyone that would want to uh, build their own computer? All right. Uh, so here's the deal. Um, if you ever wanted to build a computer, you should always start with the case. Write this down. Get a fucking notepad. Get your fucking you know notes app. Get all this, right? So check me out, right? First, you want to start with the case. And then as soon as you get a case... Also... I will say this. You want to buy everything separately. Do not buy a PC like all the way like built unless you have that money. Unless you're willing to spend $1,500 to buy an actual PC, do it. But if you don't, then space out your purchases. So you can get the case. The cases are like $150 now. The one that I have, it was $200. Now it's $180. And it's called the Corsair uh, 4000D. So first you want to start with your case. Then you want to get a really, really good motherboard. Make sure it has Wi-Fi because if it doesn't have Wi-Fi, you're going to have to use the Ethernet cable. Again, write this down, okay? Because you're not going to remember this shit. Take notes, everybody. Take Take notes. notes. I'm going to look at every single fucking camera. (laughs) Take notes. Take notes. Get your motherboard. Also, make sure you have a processor that is going to like not overheat. And if you are going to have a processor that overheats, you want to get a liquid freezer. That's the one that I have. Uh, You also want to have a really good graphics card. That is going to cost the most money but if you don't give a shit about frames if you don't give a shit about anything else and you can get one for like i don't know like 200 dollars or like 250 but the one that i have was like 600 dollars, and it's mad money also um what else i about to say uh make sure you get a good power supply uh a good power supply make sure you get a really really good fan make sure you get what else am I trying to say? Also, yeah, you got to get really good RAM. You got to get like, you got to get at least 32 gigs of RAM. Actually, no, you can get 16. But if you want, you can get 32. It, no preference, but it should be a, around the range of 16 to 32 gig uh, gigabytes of RAM. And you also want to get a, uh, you want to get an SSD so you can like actually plug it into your motherboard. Because if you get another separate one, it's going to like have mad wires. It's also going to make your shit run mad slow. And you don't want that. You know what I mean? And also, I cannot stress this enough. Space out your purchases. I will remind you again, because if you if you don't space out your purchases, you're going to be fucking broke for a long <laughs> ass time. And this shit costs money. So, and also do as much research as you possibly can. Do not fucking go into this and being like, oh, I'm about to build this fucking PC. It's going to take you a long ass time. A long ass time. It took me like fucking three months to build my shit. And I still didn't know what the fuck I was doing. It's going to take a long ass time. You want to watch mad videos on it. You want to watch every single video. You should you should know this shit like the back of your fucking hand by the time you're done with it. I want to know what kind of PC you're paying $1500 for. It's a fucking um I it's a hold on a second. I I I had a model cuz that's a model wild. Sp- 
there was a there was in one specifically. It was called like the. Uh, it was like a Skynet. It was like the Skynet huh. 2.0 something something. Right. And that shit's mad. That so shit's basically, mad expensive. you are the Terminator. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, it's the, I'm telling you. But and that's the thing. Like these purchases are gonna add up if you really want to get like a really good PC. It's definitely gonna run you at least a rack. Like especially if you're playing it safe. But I'm telling you, that's why you want to space out your purchases. Fucking build credit with your shit. Also, Klarna. That shit is going to work. Space out your payments through fucking Klarna. You are literally going to pay that shit off in like fucking a month, I think. Or like two, like four weeks, I think. And it's bi-weekly. So do it when you get paid. It's going to be fire. So, yeah. This episode of Building PCs 101 with Sean was brought to you by brandy's lipstick make sure you are looking your best as you are building your pc and we are back to our regularly scheduled programming that was great you guys all did very very nice job a's all around to all of you well done we'll get a clap in there um yeah so anyway um back to i want to talk a little bit more about come to pass and uh, obviously and specifically um obviously you know us talking about this being an entry point into racism and oppression but how is it also um a spark a larger conversation as a whole um, about, you know, racism and oppression with particularly with um, women of color. So that was like, I think that was a huge theme within the the musical as well. So I wanted to obviously give that its shine and address that. I think for the, what we're trying to do with it is like a lot of times the stories of women of color get kind of downplayed, especially when we talk about racism, we usually talk about it in the frame of black men and a lot of times our stories aren't told as much. So that was one thing that I really loved about Todd's vision and what he wanted to do with this, because it was very much like, what is your perspective as a black woman? What are the things that you have experienced? And, you know, being a queer black woman myself, these are identities that I cannot divorce from each other. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that's hard for cisgender straight men to really grasp is that I'm black, but I'm also a woman. I'm also queer. I can't just be one of those things. I'm all those things together and all those things together impact each other. So while I might experience racism outside my community, I experience misogyny in my community. I experience homophobia in my community and also outside. So it's kind of like, where is the safe haven for you? when the outside of the community is horrible and then you're not getting treated very well inside your community either. And I think that was also a really important dynamic between Myra and Solomon as well, which was, and he thinks that he's doing the right thing, but he's also kind of oppressive (laughs) because like he doesn't, he doesn't listen to Myra at all. And he kind of, just takes the lead of this is what we're doing and we're going this way. And Myra's just like, "Ah." am I just along for the ride? Yeah. Like literally like, but she has her own mind. She has her own thoughts. And I, I always thought that the last song was so, so powerful. Um, because I have the last verse and I think it's really is the only song in the entire play that I feel like sounds like Brandy Blaze. I don't swear at all, which is wild. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, that's, that's new, new for you. <laughs> right. I think, no, I, I, I lied. I think I swear like twice. 
Um, but they're well timed and it's like a purpose. Yeah. <laughs> it's not my regular, like I just dot it everywhere. No, um, but that last song is it's just like so powerful because it feels like someone in the audience said it was like kind of like a phoenix rising mm. where you just see her in like these like terrible situations and you know. I also have a song, you know, talking about, you know, having low self-esteem and not yeah. feeling good in your body and, you know, dealing with fat phobia and all those things that people can just be so cruel about. Yeah. But that last song is just like, she just kind of like finally, like almost like breaks through the glass and just like rises. And I'm like, it was just such a powerful moment because I'm like, that's really like the whole point yeah. is like, as women of color, like we're, we still rise, we still do these amazing things even though like we don't really have a safe haven outside of each other mm. that was really well said and <laughs> something you were mentioning when you were talking and that got me thinking and that's something that you had said earlier Todd, about us you know trying to educate the younger generations and i think for the most about these issues and i think for the most part um more so than i feel like i saw when i was growing up and this is me being in the schools still i, I kind of get a firsthand you know, glimpse at some of, you know, our, our younger generations and our younger generation. And, um, you know, I think that they overall are a lot more accepting of each other. And I think they are the less, they're more socially just kind of, they don't really care about a lot of these things as much. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Um, but one of the bigger things that I'm, I've been happy to be a part of at my school is when I initially got there, um, you know, I'm looking at the curriculum and I'm thinking, well, every single book we're reading this year is by a white straight male we need to change this like this is not okay and i've been very lucky that my boss and my colleagues have been really at the you know i'd say at the forefront of really really changing that curriculum and making sure that we do get other voices involved because we can't like i, I look back to my own schooling and i was like wow i really did pretty much read every book i read in high school was a straight white male and that is a huge problem huge problem and I think that these types of mediums, though, will help because obviously at this point, you know, it's tough to get kids to read if they don't love it or they're not engaged with it. But these the things like art, like music, especially, this is a great medium in order to sort of push in that direction and make sure that these sort of conversations are happening. Right. So just wanted to add that. But I think that that's I, I, love, I love what you said about just making sure that we, <laughs> we we give we give more of a voice to the to the, these communities. And, and, no, and, and interesting what you said, too, about, you know, feeling that in your own community, like feeling the certain prejudices and stereotypes and, and even some, some microaggressions as well that can be a problem still, right? Even though they're microaggressions, they're still, you know, uh, contributing to that negative sort of, um, you know, that negative conversation. Absolutely. I'm also a female rapper. And right. <laughs> that has not <laughs> been a walk in the park. <laughs> it's well, been very, very hard. Um, yeah. Being that, um, I'm really lucky to be from here, though, where there's just been an amazing collective of female rappers that came up the same time as me, which mm -hmm. has been a blessing. But that has not always been the case. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's another reason why I think it being told with rap is also important as well, because these are things that we deal with as artists, um, female artists, queer artists. It can totally. feel very unwelcoming at times, but this is my culture and this is my community. I have just as much right to it as anyone else. And we should feel comfortable and we should feel good about expressing ourselves from something that comes from us culturally. Mm -hmm. 
And that's really why, like, when I decided to do this play, I felt like Brandy and Tashawn were going to be perfect for these roles. Is because I knew the things that we talked about were either going to be incredibly personal for them, right, or hills that they were already dying on. Tashawn dies on toxic masculinity hills all day on social media, right? <laughs> so I knew the minute that we were going to address this, he would have a framework and a mindset that could take both Right. Both looks at it, right, and write songs that make sense, right? I knew when we were going to address these things with women of color that Brandy was going to be the perfect person for it because she lives these things every day. So for her to be able to write these things and write them in ways that she's not really been able to in other parts of her career, and same thing with Sean, right, like it, it gave them the ability to grow into the people, right, so that the people really made sense, the roles really made sense mm-hmm. for them because – it was so personal to the experiences that they'd already had. And it was not easy writing this. Like, shout out no, to you better Tayshawn. Dive deep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but no, shout hard. out to Tayshawn because he is a storyteller. He knows how to rap in that way. And I really had to learn how to rap all over because this is not something that I'm used to. It doesn't sound anything like the music that I typically do. I don't really do a lot of storytelling like in a narrative kind of way, like there's sure. a story there, but it's much more abstract. And like, this is like narrative writing, something I've never done. So it was a lot of work. And, you know, Todd had the faith that I could do it. And I had Tayshawn there because he already knew how to do it. And he helped me so much. So I definitely couldn't have done it without them. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to quickly uh, switch gears slightly to talk about the rest of the cast because um, and, and their roles, obviously, we're at Nowhere Studios and John Glass, one of the co-owners and co-founders, and I know he was a major part of it, uh, the archetype and Mo Pope, as we mentioned, and Amanda Shea and TBT and so many different people. Um, you know, I want to just kind of get your thoughts on how some of these, uh, Dutch Rebel, oh my God, we, we forgot about her too, um, how some of these people um, were able to add to the conversation and add to the overall uh, final product. Um, I'll take a real easy one, B. Dolan, right? B. Dolan, I forgot about B. B. Dolan, Dolan as well. playing a racist was kind of perfect given the hills that he dies on every day in his life, right? B. Dolan is an activist. He's, he lives and breathes the things that we're trying to change in this world mm-hmm. and giving him the ability to see that and write about the people that he fights against. Same thing with Mo Pope, right? When I was thinking about the police officer, I was like one of the, it would be a really interesting dichotomy to have Mo be the cop because Mo is so anti-police, right? right? So now we can have somebody who who has that framework kind of talk about why these people do these things, right? Because in the song, you can hear him say like, he doesn't want to, but like it's what he feels he has to do in order to get ahead in the world, right? Mm -hmm. Like he didn't grow up wanting to be this way, but this is kind of the way that he was made. You know what I mean? So I was able to to look at everybody. And thankfully, I, I have a, an amazingly talented group of friends that were able to step up and really knock yeah. this out. But I really looked at every role and was like, who would be interesting in trying to tell this particular story? What I think was really, you, I don't know if you, know you realize you did this, but in education, we do this a lot where like I'll have my students make a claim about like the book or whatever it is we're doing. And then I say, okay, and now you have to argue that opposite. At RBC, make the opposite argument and actually helps them to break down what the other person's argument is like for example we're doing this is very quick i don't want to get too in the weeds on this but we're doing lord of the flies and you know simon sorry spoiler alert when simon <laughs> when simon dies i i do this i do a mock trial so i say okay mm. um i have split the group in half like half of the kids have to um pretty much be prosecutors of Ralph, Piggy, and Jack, and then the other side defends, or, you know, the, the, you know defends um, those those characters. And 
I for you know they just it's very at random, and even if they don't like, so some students will come up to be like, "How am I supposed to defend Jack? Like, I can't. There's no way. <laughs> the guy's an asshole." And I'm like, "Well, think about like think about what the other group might argue against and what their argument will be, and then that maybe will help you." And it's funny because when we do it, and we have the rest of the kids that aren't in those groups, they're like the jury, and they get to vote on who does like the best best job of like um, making their point. Sometimes the Jack defendant group does win because they end up coming at it from an angle that they didn't think they would before. So it's just, I think that that's really interesting. And then, like you said, with Mo, just, you know, hearing the, this, the New Steel Gold album, like that is a huge, uh, you know, definitely uh, controversial, uh, you know, a co- sorry, contradictory uh, of what Mo obviously stands for. Anyone that listens to that yeah, album yeah, is, it, we could hear the definitely huge contrast of obviously playing a, a, a cop in, in this play and then <laughs> everything he says on, you know, and talks about on not only this, this, uh, this most recent Rock Boyega album, but, you know, even previous projects as well. So that's really, I think, uh, an interesting dynamic to throw into this for and sure. That- that I've, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was like, also shout out to Battle Axe who plays like three characters. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah seriously, Axe Metals comes Axe out and not yeah. the, <laughs> produced like six songs. Like wrote, and that's one of the things that I really want to point out. Right, we didn't really make a note of this. Everybody wrote their own songs. That's so cool. Right, so that's, that's why so it was important cool. to me that the people that we I put in these roles have a perspective that would work with what we we're trying to say because they're responsible for putting the words together. I can't put words together that tells a story because I don't live that story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I came up with the idea just because I thought it would be a cool thing to do with my friends. But, like, I don't have the perspective. I don't live these things every day. So that was really important to me, too, in casting is, you know, can they can they take the the, the look that we need them to look for this song? Mm-hmm. I wanted to give a shout-out to Dutch. I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I had so much fun uh, doing the parts with Dutch. It was really, really fun, just kind of like like uh having the uh dynamic with Dutch. It was really funny because like in the uh in the infancy of like the way that we were practicing, I was like, uh, do I have to be do I have to be like really aggressive? I don't want to be really <laughs> I was like I was like I was like, do I have to push you? I don't, I don't wanna have to push you. I don't want to do any of that. And it was really funny because I was just like, I wanna be in character, but I was like, I I, I was like, I don't I was like, I don't want to hurt Dutch. You actually don't want to do it. Yeah, you don't hurt Dutch Rebel for sure. No, Tay is such a sweetheart. He really like struggled. We were in rehearsal. He's just like, I don't want to push you. And Dutch is like, punch me. Like, just do it. And it was the same with Dolan too. He was like, I was like, I was like, do, do I have to get in your face? I don't want to. And he was, he was like, nah, just, just do it. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'm like, are, are you sure? <laughs> Like I'm just a gentle gamer. I don't really want to do this. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even say that. I'm a yo. I'm, no, you're, I'm you're definitely a passionate dude. Like oh, yeah. I, I haven't obviously met you in person until now, but yeah, I, just hearing everything, you're, you're definitely. I mean, all three of you are definitely passionate in your own ways. But yeah, no, you definitely have a a vibrance to you for sure. You're not, yeah. yeah. But you did amazing when it came time to do it. I know, but he was nervous to do it. It was really oh, yeah, sweet. Absolutely. I mean, but you did amazing when it came time you. to do it. <laughs> thank you. I was, um, I think I got used to it after a while. Because after yeah. we rehearsed it so many times, I'm like, okay, like, I'm like, okay, like, I feel like um, I won't necessarily get past a certain point because like, okay, like, I already know how this is going to play out. But like, uh, it's like when you're getting into it, then it's like. 
you have like this like you have this like nervous nature about your boundaries and you're just like i don't want to like and also i just met dolan for the first time during our rehearsals i i didn't know um anything about him i just knew that he was going to be part of this and i yeah. was like i don't want my first impression to just be me screaming in his fucking ear <laughs> just like without asking like you know like hey is this good for you like are you cool i'm just gonna be like yeah so fuck you da, 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 da. Like, like that's wild you know what i'm saying like i wouldn't want to do that yeah no that definitely is an interesting dynamic to be involved <laughs> exactly. in for sure especially when you haven't met you know it's not like nice to meet you <laughs> literally i mean i knew i've known dutch since i was 16 but like so, so that's a little like, different but that's different and i wouldn't in like she wouldn't have been like oh like yeah like you know like fuck you tay for screaming in my face like like she would know that that's the performance but like yeah, like B. Dolan was a bit different because I'm like, I don't know this dude from a hole in a wall. I don't right. want to just be shouting at him. And Dolan is also a sweetheart too. Yeah, love Dolan. And it was like I felt so bad because I'm like, the audience is gonna hate you, yeah. <laughs> but we love dude. you. He's a he's a great dude. I've so I've had so many uh, backstage conversations with Dolan, and he's genuinely like he's. He's really integral when it comes to this kind of activism shit. He doesn't let his oh, yeah, whiteness he, like he walks the walk for sure. Yeah, he doesn't let his he doesn't let his whiteness be the fucking uh you know the primary behind like what he does. Like he's he he's really about this shit. But also it was kind of funny like speaking of backstage. So we had two dressing rooms. So it was like Tay Mo Dolan. Oh, the guys in one. And Battle Axe are in one. And then it's me, um, Amanda, TBT, and Dutch. And we're in our dressing room, like twerking, like <laughs> off the counter, <laughs> like just wilding out. And then I would go over to their dressing room and they're just like having like these like really intense conversations. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, like, like mad philosophical conversations. I'm like, what is going on over here? Like, I'm like, I'm, like, I'm sorry. They're just like, <laughs> Fellas, we're going to talk about the state of music today. <laughs> right. And then you come over to our dressing room and we're like, ah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it was too much. This is actually, this is my final question. And this is, this is a actually beautiful segue. And that's, you guys kind of already answered it, but now you have to pick something else. So I was wanted to ask you guys, like, what was the most, if you could pick like one, maybe two each, like memorable moments. This is the open response segment of our show, the last, the last segment, where I wanted to talk and ask you guys about, um, like most memorable moment backstage or in the process of doing this that really stands out to you the most. And um, I don't know who, maybe I'll, I've been starting with Todd the whole time, so maybe I'll start with, with Tay, but um, uh, is there something that stands out? Oh, 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 never mind. He doesn't want to start. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Todd, go ahead. Um, the first Q&A will definitely be memorable because up until that point, like I didn't know how people were going to take it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when we got our first standing ovation, we got our first round of applause, we got our first set of comments that everything – that they understood it right. They saw the vision. It got through right. Like yeah, that was yeah. definitely amazing. Um, and there's probably some trepidation going into that. Like, oh, are right. they going to get it? Is this going to be? I, 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 am I going to get some backlash for this? I like, spoke so much that day. Like it was. Yeah, it was yeah, a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, that was definitely memorable. Um, was there a question or like a comment that stood out to you the most? Or I know it was like a couple months ago. So. There was. I think the second or third person was like, "I've cried three times during this play." Oh, that's amazing. And I was like, "Okay." You know what I mean? That's we one really, of the best you can yeah, get. yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we really, we were able to hit the emotional cues, and that's really what we were going for, right? Like totally. if you don't, if you don't empathize with what these people are going through, you're never really gonna uh, empathize with what's happening today, and then want to change things, right? Mm -hmm. So that was really the goal. 
Um, and the second thing was probably that first day of rehearsals when we got to see it, the whole thing for the first time. Yeah. Um, I got to do, and my favorite look of the whole play is actually his song. Um, your solo song where we do the top lighting. Mm -hmm. um, it was the only lighting look that I had in my head the whole time before we got to the thing. And it was really important that he had bright top and he was totally shadow on the bottom and we were able to knock that out. So like Amazing. that was that was dope. <laughs> Um, my favorite besides twerking, <laughs> Yo, we were back there getting our makeup done. We had a blast. Also, shout out to Cece, who's my makeup artist, who came and did makeup for the play. Um, love you, boo. Um, my favorite thing is just how much we all bonded. Like we're all friends. We all know each other. Thespian gang, right? We we named ourselves the Thespian gang, gang, gang. <laughs> um, and obviously Mo is my big cousin, so um. We just really, really bonded so much more during those five days that we had together. Um, we just like cracked so many jokes. Like yeah. it was like to do like this really serious play, and then backstage we're just like acting a hot fool. Like it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. We went out pretty much every night together awesome. after the play, and we just really, I think, just solidified our friendships with each other. Yeah. And it's just, like, such a special experience. Like, so many of us had never done this. Really, TBT is the only one that has done, you know, went to school for acting um, and has done plays, musicals, all those things. So, really, TBT was the only one that was really experienced in it. The rest of us were newbies. So, just how much we bonded is really my favorite thing. Like, they're my favorite people. <laughs> No, and it was—it's just an amazing group of people. Like when I saw the the cast list and also the people, everyone involved. Like obviously, like I know John very well, and like I just know the the person he is, and I've heard nothing but incredible things about both of you. I know, obviously, I've, I've been uh, pretty close with Amanda now for a couple of years. I know she she speaks nothing but highly of you. I'm close to Zafir as well. He speaks nothing highly highly of you. I know Shane Dillon's a close friend of yours. Yeah. He's yes, he your guy. He speaks nothing yeah. but highly of you as well. So like I feel like uh, you know, it just all encompassing. Um, I, you know, and then just some of the pillars of like, like Mo and Ark. And we have Dutch. not said Tim Hall's name. I was, this whole Tim thing. Hall. I was literally wait, wait. just thinking I Tim Hall. Not, he was supposed to be here. Forward. That's right. Yes, yes, or, or Tim, we Tim invited him, but celebrating his wife's birthday this weekend. So he oh, be congratulations. Happy birthday. Uh, I could not have done this without Tim Hall. Tim Hall kept me sane. Tim Hall helped me find music. Tim Hall helped me find ways to get this done. So please, everybody. Oh, Tim. Much I, I don't know how we missed that. For real. Sorry, Tim. Nah, for real. Shout out Tim Hall. We love and, and if you man. know Tim, you know how hilarious he is. So he <laughs> he was like when Tay would do his solo song, I would have to come backstage and I would be back there for like maybe like I don't know how long the song is like four minutes. And Tim would just like have me like cracking up. And I'm like, no, I have to go back out, Tim. <laughs> like, I gotta get the headphones like trying to talk screaming. to Tim like is the next person set up, is the next person set up. And Tim wouldn't be responding because he'd be back there packing jokes with them and then he's like, Oh, yeah, I'm sending them out. <laughs> so that oh, also my other favorite thing is my theory that um Extramental's character is the real villain in yep. the play. <laughs> Someone brought that up during the QA. I so he plays Uncle Charles. My theory is that Uncle Charles is actually the villain Ooh. of the play. Okay. Because I feel like he low-key screws us over. Like, <laughs> like he has a so not to give too much of the plot away, but basically, like in the beginning, he has a song where and me and Tayshawn actually wrote that song. So that's the first time 
actual mental has ever swore like and he doesn't swear in his music oh, so me and tay it. wrote it <laughs> so we both swore in it. <laughs> so and he was a true for her body he's like cool we're gonna do it but <laughs> he has this song where he gives us all this advice like you know these are the things to look out for right and then sets us on our way but he does not give us any real instructions and then we see him later so I'm like, we see you later in the play and you told us nothing. Facts, like you right? could have just given us a map, like something like, so that's my theory. And like, they, I would bring it up like every day. It's going to be in our merch. I, 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 when we have shirts, I'm, we're making shirts that say uncle Charles is the real villain. Oh God. <laughs> All my homies hate uncle Charles. <laughs> Um, my, my favorite moment, I, I have two actually. Um, I think one of my, I think the first favorite moment was every night when everyone was getting the applause and, uh, just to like seeing everybody just kind of walk out on screen. Cause like there's a screen backstage, right? And we just kind of see everybody just kind of walk out and everything. And it was like really, really cool. And I just kind of like seeing how people like, you know, uh, receive the play. And I think the second, my second favorite was the Q and A where my grandmother came oh, to the show, awesome. and she brought uh, my great aunt. Uh, wow. So they watched the set, and then they were talking about how this was a show that was unlike a lot of others because instead of it being about just trauma, it's about thriving. Yeah. And this is and this is the aunt that uh, would tell me a lot of stories just about like you know dealing with segregation, dealing with like racism in like Somerville and Boston and even in the South because like she's from the South. So like just kind of hearing that kind of piece of feedback and just being like, hey, like this isn't about surviving; it's about thriving. Like I feel like hearing that from like an elderly black woman is like. It, it, it made my whole fucking year, you know wow. what I'm saying? Like, and hearing that from my aunt, like, and her seeing the actual play and having those feelings about it, like, actually, like, was amazing. And honestly, like, that, was, that was great. Yeah, what a beautiful moment for you and all of you, really. Like, I'm I'm so sad that I miss. I'm, like, for sure going to the, the, the full the full. We time. better see you in the front row. Oh, I will. Oh, believe me, believe me I will be. We'll do the short version a couple times next year. So awesome. Be able to catch I'm excited. I, I can't wait. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely, guys. Make sure that anybody listening to this, I mean, if I if this hasn't sold you, I don't know what will. Uh, definitely make sure you be on the lookout for those 2023 dates. Um, I want to thank you guys so much for coming down today. This oh was gosh, like thank you this so was, much. For this was you. so fun, and like I, I'm, I just want to appreciate like us having. You know, I know these are difficult conversations to have, and I just encourage you know anybody listening to this. And I know I have these difficult conversations a lot because you know naturally I'm in a school, so it happens. But um, you know, don't be afraid to have these conversations because it's it's important. If we ignore it, they'll you know these types of issues will never never quite be addressed the way that we want them to be. So, and I just really appreciate you guys for putting yourselves out there and doing something that really is truly impactful and important. So, kudos to all of you and congratulations, seriously. Oh my gosh, thank, thank you. you. Seriously. Thank you. Uh, last but not least, just plug away, you know, social medias, anything else you got going on, feel free, we'll go down the line again. So, um, plug, plug, plug. You can plug. find me at uh, Platforms Music on Instagram. Uh, it's basically the only thing I really use anymore. Um, Fire by Brandy makeup.com please check us out uh come to pass musical.com you'll find more information on upcoming dates next year first one will be in the spring and i'm bernie blaze b-r-e-n-d-i-e b-l-a-z-e um on all social media all streaming services third album coming out 
2023. We're ready. Let's go. <laughs> and I'm Tayshawn, T-A-S-H-A-W-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R on all platforms, titles, Spotify, everything, Apple Music, you know what I'm saying, YouTube. And it's an underscore on my Instagram. So it's T-A-S-H-A-W-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R underscore on my Instagram, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you were a fan of any of them and coming on to us for the first time, you can follow us at Turntable Teachers on Instagram. TikTok, head up our website, www.turntableteachers.com. Big, big year coming up. This is actually our last guest speaker episode of 2022. So thank you guys wow. for cl- closing hey. out hey. the year. So much. Really strong. <laughs> no Todd Don, Brandy Blaze, Tayshawn Taylor. Thank you guys so much for being here. This has been an incredible episode. And without further ado, I'm Mike. This is Todd, Brandy, and Tayshawn with the Turntable Teachers. And class is officially dismissed. Thank you.